So I don't think we're done with the Holy Spirit yet. Um, there's so much to talk about. There's so much to learn. And I, I, we could probably preach for a couple of years on the Holy Spirit. Um, last week, I ended the sermon with a, a challenge uh, to daily pray for the power of the Holy Spirit, to daily pray for that, that power and passion you know, to live lives pleasing to God, uh, to sacrificially love others. Can't do that on our own. Uh, to help Christ expand His kingdom as His ambassadors, and, and of course to show others uh, the way to this, this new life and this new hope that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And then finally, I suggested that we, we don't just settle for forgiven and saved. You know, let's not just settle for that, forgiven and saved. And, and this week, I'm going to argue that we don't have a choice in the matter. We, uh, we can't settle for forgiven and saved because we're commanded to do otherwise. Uh, I mentioned last week that when, when the Apostle Paul said to be filled with the, uh, the Spirit in Ephesians 5.18, it was to be an ongoing thing, an ongoing filling of the Spirit. It means to keep on being filled constantly and continually. But what I didn't emphasize is that it's an imperative. It's a command. It's a command to be filled with the Spirit. Paul echoes this command you know, many times in his, his letter to Galatians where, where he says, uh, he commands us to walk by the Spirit, uh, to be led by the Spirit, to live by the Spirit, and to keep in step with the Spirit. And they're all the same command. So again, we, we can't settle for forgiven and saved because we're commanded to, to do otherwise. We're, we're commanded to be filled with the Spirit. Now, the questions that I have, well, well what is that? You know, how is that accomplished? What does, what does it look like? What is it to be filled with the Spirit? And, and how is um, being filled with the Spirit accomplished? And then what does that look like? You know, what does being filled with the Spirit look like? And I'll just briefly um, talk about those things this morning. So uh, before I try to answer those questions, let's pray. Father, we thank you that um, we are, are born again and that we do have the Spirit indwelling in us, Lord. But at the same time, you also call us to be filled with the Spirit, Lord. And I pray that you uh, help us uh, understand uh, what that means this morning. We, uh, we discussed it a little bit in, in Sunday school, Lord, and, and it, it's something that... Um, we need help with, Lord, and I, I trust, Lord, that you will help us with that this morning. Give us understanding, Lord, draw us uh, to you in faith, Lord, and we thank you, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So what is it to be filled with the Spirit? Um, well, it, it could be explained in a few different ways. Uh, I have a few illustrations that you might find helpful. Well, first, what it, what it doesn't mean, it, it, it's not... It doesn't mean content or, or, or quantity. In, in other words, it's not like you know, filling up a glass with water or, or a container with water. Because in the Bible, the word filled uh, most often means controlled by. 
So when you, when you fill a, um, a glass with water, you know, the glass isn't controlled by the water. It's just filled with the water. But filled, when used in, in scripture, often means uh, controlled by. For example, you know, one of my, my favorite movies is Master and Commander. Have, has any of you ever seen that? Highly recommend it. So it's, it's about a British naval frigate in, in the uh, Napoleonic Wars, you know, the wars against Napoleon. So there's a scene in the movie you know, we're in the, they're in the Pacific Ocean and they hit the doldrums. You know, it's a sailing ship and there's no wind. And, and it's brutally hot and they're just waiting and, and praying for wind. And uh, finally a storm comes and it rains and, and the wind comes and, and, the, and the, the sails uh, are filled with the wind and, and the crew cheers. But what happens when the wind fills the sails? It moves the ship, right? It, the, the ship doesn't just stay stationary. The, um, the ship moves. The ship's moved along by the, the wind as it fills the sails and it pushes the ship forward. So the apostles, the prophets and the apostles that wrote the scriptures, they did so as they were moved by the Spirit. You see the, um, the, the connection there. That, that's from 2 Peter 1.21. They were moved by the Spirit in the same way uh, uh, sails that are filled with the wind move a ship. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're moved forward you know, into a, a life of um, a greater love for Christ, a greater love for each other, and our desire to please the Lord. And another illustration of being filled by the Spirit is, is permeation. Um, again, Another illustration, my, my son and I like hot sauce. You know, sometimes, you know, painfully so. <laughs> and, and we know that when we add hot sauce to something, you know, like chicken salad, how, how many of you ever added hot sauce to chicken salad? Okay, it's awesome, isn't it? You gotta try it. So, obviously when you add the hot sauce to chicken salad and, and you mix it all up, you know, the whole thing's gonna be spicy hot, no matter where you bite in that sandwich you're going to sweat. You're going to feel the heat. Because it's, it's infiltrated the whole thing. And, you know, that's part of the fun. So, in the same way, our lives, our lives are to be permeated and infiltrated by the Holy Spirit. As He permeates all that we think, all that we say, all that we do. And our, our entire lives should be marked by the evidence of the Holy Spirit uh, in His presence with us. And another aspect of being filled by the Spirit is this. You know, to, be, to be filled by the Holy Spirit is to be under His control. The Bible has examples of, of people being filled with some kind of emotion that controls them. Uh, one example is Luke 6.11 where it says that after Jesus healed the man with the withered hand, the scribes and the Pharisees were filled with fury. They were filled with fury and, and they discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. So this, this fury that they were filled with motivated um, their uh, plans to eventually crucify Jesus. And then in, in John 16.6, 6, Jesus tells the disciples as, that He's going away to be replaced by the Holy Spirit and their hearts were filled with sorrow. And, and we find that they end up you know, hiding out in the upper room until Jesus fulfills His promise of the Holy Spirit. 
So their, their um, actions were motivated uh, by uh, their emotions. So they were controlled by their emotions. But in Ephesians 5.18, Paul commands us to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Paul says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, in, in the context here is in the city of Ephesus, the people often worship their, their pagan gods by getting drunk. They would get drunk, they would lose control, and then they do all manner of uh, perverse things in, in worshiping their gods. And Paul's saying to his church, that's not you anymore. That's not you. Let, your, let yourselves be controlled by the Holy Spirit. To be, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be influenced by Him so that He is in control. And, and it's not like you know, you're a puppet or, or a robot, uh, but, but it's an influence that, that causes you to think and, and live differently than you would do otherwise. Because the reality is, you know, left on our own, you know, we, we too quickly become spiritually weak. I know I do. Or we start to focus more on ourselves. And, and our, our world just becomes so much smaller when we do that. But, but as we seek to be filled with the Spirit, we, we again see the world from God's perspective. And, and our world becomes bigger. And, and we seek to please God and, and serve others and love others. So again, we need to see that this is a command. It's not, not a, an option for the Christian. We are, we are commanded to allow ourselves to be moved by the Spirit, you know, like the wind in the sails, uh, or infiltrated or, or permeated uh, by the Holy Spirit uh, and, and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Not other things, like wine, uh, things that, that would lead us astray. Now, now, once again, you know, Paul is not saying you shouldn't drink wine. He's just saying don't, don't be controlled by it. So, so it goes without saying you know, that if you're filled uh, with the Holy Spirit, if you allow the Holy Spirit to influence you, to permeate you, to move you, then your life, your life would be very different in the world's eyes. Your, your life would be very different from someone who didn't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them who, and who wasn't uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, isn't that a reasonable assumption? That your lives would be different than someone who wasn't filled with the Spirit? You know, being filled with the Holy Spirit, your, your life just shouldn't make sense from the world's perspective. And that's the question for you and me this morning, does your life make sense from the world's perspective? Does your life, the way you think, the way you act, you know, how you handle your money, how you relate to people, how you raise your children, the choices you make for, for entertainment, for, for social media, the, the choices you make for friends, does your life make sense in those aspects uh, to the rest of the world? That's the question. Uh, recently, uh, my wife and I went hiking uh, up to Silver Lake. And um, we were on the trail. And I look down and I see a, a credit card and a license wrapped in um, a rubber band. 
And in between the credit card and the license was $150 cash. So I'm like, whoa. And uh, so, you know, even though the person's address was from a totally different part of the country, you know, we did a Google search, made a few phone calls, and we were able to track th this person down. You know, they were, they were visiting the area and had gone hiking that day. And so we, uh, we arranged to meet them at a, at a local landmark, and uh, we, we gave them the, the cards and the money back. We hung out for a while. Uh, they, they gave us a, a jar of, of honey <laughs> and, and appreciation. And then we went our separate ways. But I imagine uh, that he was thinking, that just, that just doesn't make sense. That, that dude could have just you know, kept the money and, and left the cards there, or, or he could have kept the money and, and maybe, you know, if he had a little bit of sympathy, given the, his uh, license and his credit cards to the police or something. You know, that do just doesn't make sense. You know, and, and I admit, you know, for a few seconds, you know, I was tempted. You know, 150 bucks cash, wow. <laughs> but, you know, immediately, uh, my wife and I, we, we just knew what to do. We just knew what to do. And it was actually kind of fun. It was actually kind of fun doing the search and tracking this guy down and, and all that stuff. Now, now, I'm not bragging, okay, for two reasons. That was the Holy Spirit working in me. Because really, uh, you know, 150 bucks cash, you know. So and the other thing is, um, I'm not bragging, because I know any one of you would have done exactly the same thing. I, I just know it. You, you would have found, you know, maybe not in the same way we did, but you would have found a way to uh, return the belongings to their rightful owner. So actions like that just don't make sense from the world's perspective. And so the reason I ask, you know, does your life make sense from the world's perspective is that, that everything I've ever read in the Bible... Everything I've ever read pertaining to the Christian life in Scripture, or, you know, as we call it, the, the Christian walk, or the, the Christian faith journey, or, you know, recently we, we call it the Spirit-filled life, is, is that the answer to that question is no. It's no. For, for the most part, the life of a Christian, you know, the life of a Spirit-filled believer should not make sense to the rest of the world. And, and the reason that your life shouldn't make sense is because, you know, it's not because there's anything special about you. It's not because there's anything special about me. It's because of the Holy Spirit living in you, dwelling in you, and influencing your life. Again, in the, in the ways you think, the, the ways you act, the way you handle your money, how you relate to people, how you relate your children, how you run your business. All these things should you should be influenced by the Holy Spirit. So how are we to be filled with the Holy Spirit, as, as Paul says? How is that accomplished? How are we to walk by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, and to keep in step with the Spirit? Well, for one, it's, 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 this is not going to shock you. It's no big surprise. We need to be in communion with God. I know we say it over and over again, and I need to be reminded myself over and over again. We need to be in communion with God through prayer and reading His Word. There's not, no um, special instructions. It's, it's pretty simple. I challenged us last week to wake up in the morning and, and to ask God to lead you by His Spirit 
and to give you the power to do as well. But this should be an ongoing practice, you know, throughout the day. You know, throughout the day, commune with God, asking Him to help you in, in your decisions, asking Him to give you patience, give you humility, show you ways to love and serve others and, and glorify Him. I know I'm always losing things at the house. And I'll, I'll walk around for 15 minutes trying to find whatever I lose. And then I tell my wife and she says, did you ask God? Or did you pray about it? I'm like, no, I'm too mad. <laughs> but, but that's the first thing you should do, right? You lose something before you start to freak out. Lord, help me find it. And then, you know, you calm down. And then can, you, you can use your brain and you can retrace your steps. I have to relearn that every single time I lose something, which is like every week. So we can also commune God as we read his word. You know, obviously. We, and I was thinking about this. We have more access to God's word than, than like in all of history. We have, we have, you know, big Bibles. We have thin Bibles. We have thick Bibles. I, I mean, we have dozens of English translations, there's practically every language in the world has been translated into the Bible. We have, we have study Bibles, we have devotional Bibles, we have chronological Bibles, we have application Bibles, and, and if, you, if your eyes are bad, we have large print Bibles, uh, and, and those are just the ones in print form. I mean, all of us have apps on our phones for the Bibles, there's, there's computer programs, um, so um, and you can, you can have the Bible read to you while you're, you're doing chores or while you're driving. So accessibility is not the issue. It's, um, you know, the, the fact is it's love for God's Word. That's the issue. I know it is for me. So communing with God through prayer and His Word helps to keep us filled with the Spirit. Another way of being Spirit-filled, um, another way it's accomplished is through confession. I know we hate that. We hate that word, confession. Confession means to agree with God that we have sinned and, and admit we now want to change. I mean, we were talk again, we were talking about this in Sunday school. We may be born again and the Holy Spirit is dwelling in us, but we still sin. We still do. Even as we, we grow in our faith, we still sin, we still disobey, we still mess up. God calls us to confess those things. So we need to ask, you know, uh, what mannerisms, what language, what activities, what inconsistencies are in our lives that, that might be grieving the Holy Spirit, that might be quenching the Holy Spirit, as Paul talks about and warns against in, in his letters. Well, we, we bring these before the Lord and confess them. John reminds us in his first letter, and these should be comforting to us. He says, if we confess our sin to God, He is faithful. He is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins. So I don't know why we have such a hard time confessing our sins to God. Because He's faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Finally, another way to, be, uh, to facilitate being filled by the Holy Spirit, and of course it's appropriate this week, is to be thankful. 
to give thanks to God. You know, as much as we might love Thanksgiving Day and, and, and that we dedicate a day especially for being thankful, you know, that the spirit moved, the spirit influenced or, or controlled person should live lives marked by thankfulness on a daily basis, giving thanks to God. And in, in some ways, you know, that practice uh, might make the least sense uh, to, to this world, the, the, the practice of being thankful. I mean, when, when, when our lives are filled with the Spirit and we, and we can't help but be thankful for all the, the blessings we have, which, you know, which are, are too many to list, but we also can't help but be thankful through the trials that we face. Because those trials draw us closer to the Lord. They, they draw us closer to God and they test us. And also they help us to minister to others. Second Corinthians uh, chapter 1, it says, Praise be to God, the Fa- God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, And then he says, so that. Praise be to God the Father who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. So that's part of being thankful for the trials that we go through is so that we can provide comfort to others. And I know that this often takes time. Often takes time and it can be painful. But the Lord helps us to see that even even after our worst trials, even after our worst trials, we can eventually come to a place where we're able to help others who are are going through similar trials. That's one of the ways we can be thankful. And then, of course, we can thank God for His mercy and His grace and, and His great love for us in reconciling us to Himself through his son Jesus through his life and death and resurrection of Christ. Scripture tells us that there is no other name by which we may be saved. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. No one gets reconciled to God except through Jesus. And we're living examples of that. We're, we're living proof to those claims. Yet to the world, that just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. If the world doesn't outright reject God, the world adamantly rejects the claim that Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only way to God. And and the world will make accusations of of exclusion and and hate and intolerance. And you know, and, and sadly... Oftentimes that's true of the church because it's impossible. It's impossible to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's impossible to love others as Jesus did if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, but instead you know, are filled with pride and judgment and condemnation and hypocrisy. But if, if you're filled with the Spirit, you're the same Spirit that was in Jesus, then you'll seek to be like Jesus in all of His ways. 
I mean, Jesus so, showed mercy and grace to all sorts of people. You know, adulterers and, and the dreaded tax collectors and the hated Samaritans, the poor, the weak, the sick, even, incredibly, the Roman soldiers he showed compassion to and, and other Gentiles. So who, who are we to pick and choose who we're to love, who, who deserves love and mercy and grace? Who are we to make that decision and, and to hear the gospel? I mean, I, I, love, the, I love the scene where uh, uh, Jesus and the disciples uh, refused a room in, the, um, the in a Samaritan town. And James and John, you know, they're, they're, they're clearly upset. And um, they say to Jesus, Lord, do you want us to call fire down and, and destroy the town? And, and, you know, how does Jesus respond? Well, he rebukes them. And, and, and that's, that's what Scripture says. But I'd like to think that Jesus is like, Seriously? You want me to call a fire down in the town? Haven't you learned anything in all this time I've been with you? You know, get out of here. What's the matter with you? So no wonder um, Jesus nicknamed the, the Sons of Thunder. Okay, but we, we need to remember that, um, you know, John, after spending his, his life with Jesus, you remember what his name became what, what John's uh, nickname is, from the son of thunder to the, the apostle of love, okay? From spending time with Jesus, reading his word. Of course, he was writing his word. Um, so, you know, raining fire down on, on your enemies, well, that makes sense to the world. But loving your enemies, turning the other cheek, you know, forgiving those who hate you, you know, sharing the gospel with the, with the poorest of the poor and, and the, the neediest of the needy, you know, that doesn't make sense. You know, the world would say, why bother? You know, those people don't contribute anything to society. Those people don't matter. In Paul's letter to the Galatian church, you know, he gives a helpful list of what he calls the fruits of the Spirit. He says... You know, in opposition to the, the selfish and sinful nature, he says, but the Holy, Spru Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I know we're all, we're all familiar with these. And, and Paul is saying that you know, just as a fruit-bearing tree naturally grows fruit, you know, so a life controlled by the Holy Spirit naturally and inevitably um, expresses the virtues, these virtues of, of love, joy, peace, etc. And Paul goes on to say shortly after, he says, those who belong to Jesus Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. And since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. So I imagine, I imagine us all with a basket, you know, or if you, if you want to imagine a bag, 
you have a bag. And, and when, when we pray and we read God's Word and we, when we confess our sins to God and, and when we thank Him for our salvation and, and when we ask the Holy Spirit to fill us, you know, our, our basket or our bag is, is filled with all these virtues, all these fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And, and as we go through our days, you know, th th this fruit is always available to us. It's always in our basket. And the Lord, the Lord brings to you a, a person who's just hurt and, and broken. And, and you put your arm around her and, and you offer her out of your basket. You offer her love. And it, it's, it, it's an unconditional, you have value, love. And then, and then you throw in a little kindness as well out of your, your basket of fruit. Or you, you come home from a rough day at work and, and, and the easy thing to do would be just to you know, have the family share in, in your miserableness. And, but you, know, you reach into your basket as you're, you're wiping your feet on the mat before you walk into the house and you step in and you're holding a handful of joy from your basket because you've decided to share that instead, instead of your miserableness. The other day, um, I was picking up my son and his friends, and we stopped to get gas on the way back, and, and, the, and the gas station was super busy. And just as I pulled in, the, this guy pulls away, and I scoot right in next to the... Um, the pump. So I'm undoing my seatbelt, and this guy just slowly drives around me, and he's giving me the finger the whole way. <laughs> I mean, he's got a lot of nerve because I, I have a carload of, of young men in my car, and I'm thinking, this guy's got a lot of nerve. But right, it wasn't until then I realized that I had just taken the pump that he was waiting for. And I'm like, oh, that was stupid. So. I pulled out. Just as he went past me, I pulled out, and then I saw him. He backed in, you know, and I, I, I got my gas, and then I walked into the store, and as I was walking into the store, he, he drove by me, and we're kind of just like staring each other down. And I was I'm waiting to see if, you know, what's he going to do now? You know, how's he going to respond to that? He can't give me the finger now. I gave him the, I gave him the, um... so, but I was, I was wondering if he was thinking, you know, that just doesn't make sense, what that guy did. You know, he, he could have, you know, jumped out of the car and yelled at me, or he could have stayed there and pumped his gas and let me go find some. You know, again, I'm not bragging, because, um, you know, I did want to jump out of the car and, <laughs> you know, say, what's your problem, bro? Um, so, you know, you get the idea. It, it, it doesn't make sense. If you consistently, you know, live a, a spirit-filled life, if your days are controlled by those uh, fruits of the spirit, then your life, it's not going to make sense uh, from the world's perspective. And that's the point. It shouldn't make sense. You know, you know sure, there, there are going to be people who, you know, have no use for you and your fruit. You know, they're just, yeah, whatever. <coughs> but there are going to be those people who see the way you live, 
who see the way you love and serve others, who see your patience and your self-control and your kindness, that they're going to see and experience your love and joy, all because of the Holy Spirit you know, filling your life. And they're going to want to make sense of it. They're going to want to know what it is that makes you that way. And you can tell them that it's not a what that makes me that way. It's a who that makes me that way. And that who is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God.